Thou shalt not touch the six-inch rule. Bruce Gerencer, July 14th, 2020. Midwestern Baptist College, Pontiac, Michigan. Imagine for a moment that you are sitting in the pew of an independent fundamentalist Baptist IFB in parentheses church. You are 16 years old and sitting next to you is your 17 year old girlfriend. As with any normal teenager, you are sitting as close as possible to your girlfriend and the two of you are holding hands. The pastor is getting ready to preach and he asks everyone to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. With a thunderous voice, the pastor says, the Bible says, now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 and 2. And the Bible also says, abstain from all appearance of evil. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, the pastor turns your way, looks at you and your girlfriend, and then slowly turns back to his sermon notes. You feel guilty, so you unclasp your hand from your girlfriend's, and you scoot a few inches away from her, safely avoiding fornicating in the pew. Welcome to just another Sunday morning service at First on True Faith Independent Fundamentalist Baptist Church in Fadustan, Ohio. In the real world, teenage boys and girls hold hands, put their arms around each other, and kiss each other. We also know that some of them engage in intimate sexual activity. But at First on True Faith Independent Fundamentalist Baptist Church, any physical contact between unmarried teenagers or unmarried young adults of the opposite sex is strictly prohibited. And the thinking goes something like this, fornication. The intimate sexual contact between unmarried people is a sin in big fat bold capital letters. Committing fornication requires physical touching. So the best way to avoid fornication is to keep unmarried teenagers or single young adults from touching each other. Over the years, I'm embarrassed to say, I've told countless teenagers that no girl ever got pregnant without holding hands with a boy first. I repeatedly told them that holding hands leads to familiarity, and before you know it, you'll be having sex. So the answer is this, no touching. When I was a teenager in the 1970s at Trinity Baptist Church in Fitlay, Ohio, and First Baptist Church in Bryan, Ohio, my pastors and youth directors preached against boys and girls touching each other. Now, this doesn't mean we didn't touch each other. It just meant that we did our touching away from the sight of our pastors, youth directors, deacons, and other church adults. We turned it into a game. The pastor said we couldn't touch each other, so while choir practice was going on, we would find out-of-the-way places to neck. It was almost like a challenge. We dare you to catch us in bold letters. From the age of 14 until my wedding day, I kissed a few girls, put my arm around them, and held their hands. But that's where it stopped. 
both my wife and I were virgins when we married in 1978. I violated the letter of the no touch rule, but I certainly kept it until my honeymoon. Albeit, had we waited any longer to get married, we likely would have rounded third and slid into home, in parentheses. Polly and I attended Midwestern Baptist College, an unaccredited IFB institution in Pontiac, Michigan. The college had a strict no touch rule. The rule was called the six inch rule about the width of a hymn book, in parentheses. Young men and women were expected to keep six inches away from each other at all times, COVID style. Failure to do so resulted in severe discipline, including expulsion. Living in a dorm filled with normal hormone raging heterosexual men and women made the six inch rule a real challenge. Most of us learned how to discreetly break the rule and when we went out on double dates, we learned to date with couples who are six inch rule breakers as we were. Sandra, a regular reader of this blog, shared in a comment about her time at Hiles Anderson College. About the gateway issues with card playing, I'm not psychologist, but I do believe if you restrict normal human behavior in one way, normal human behavior will come out in another. When at Hiles Anderson, we were all told not to touch the opposite sex. I mean, no hand-holding, which was fine with me and the IFB church I was in before I left for HAC, but no touching through a pen either, like tapping on a shoulder. We are social beings that do believe we need touch to stay alive. When at HAC, since all the women were not allowed to touch a man on his hand or to tap his back with a pen, guess what happened? The Dean of Women, Miss Belinda, says she knows a lot of petting going on between the women. In the chapel, women would sit next to women and they'd pet each other's hair. they stroke each other's leg and she was right. All that behavior was happening. But my question is why? Probably due to the human need for basic facts. Since the women were not allowed to hug their own blood brother on campus, nor to hold hands for five seconds, nor to tap a man on the back with a pencil. Is it any wonder that the women found a way to get physical touch in their lives? Is it normal to want a hug and to rub someone's bed when they are hurting? By repressing opposite sex touching, they encouraged same sex touching and it was very evident. Ponder for a moment being exposed to this kind of environment. Is it any wonder that people coming out of the IFB church movement often have to deal with emotional mental and sexual dysfunction when you are constantly told that normal human desire is sinful you are bound to suffer psychological damage being normal heterosexuals we could only suppress our desires for so long so we found creative ways to get around the rules in the ever watchful eyes of those charged with keeping us from fornicating as single students at midwestern Polly, Polly and i artfully evaded the no touch police all but one time Here's what happened the time we got caught. I was on the college basketball team. Don't read too much into that. The team was the equivalent of an intramural, uh, intramural club. One day during practice, I slapped at a basketball to really dislocated a finger. I was rushed to the emergency room and the doctor was able to fix the dislocation. I'm left-handed and the dislocation had occurred on my left hand. Every male student was required to wear a tie to class. I found it very difficult to tie a tie with one hand, so I wanted to ask my fiance to tie my tie for me. In doing so, we broke the six-inch rule. Someone an anonymously turned us in for breaking the six-inch rule. 
We had to appear before the disciplinary committee to answer the charges against us. We each received 50 demerits for breaking the six-inch rule. We were warned that if we broke the six-inch rule again, we would be expelled from school. Little did they know that we had been breaking it for quite some time. Most dormitory students live for the weekend. Students could only date on the weekends. required no student could go farther away than 10 miles from the dormitory. Most students tried to adhere to the rules for a while. Some, like my Polly and I, kept the six-inch rules religiously until we went home for our first Christmas break. While home on Christmas break, we were allowed to act like normal young adults who were in love. We held hands, kissed, necked, and pretty much act like any other couple mutually infatuated with one another. Once the genie was out of the bottle, it was impossible to put her back in. When we returned to Midwestern in January 1977, we realized we could not continue to keep the six-inch rule. So for the next 18 months, we sought out couples to double date with that, had the same view of the six-inch rule as we did. We had to be very careful. Choose the wrong couple to double date with, and we could end up getting expelled from school. Rules such as the six-inch rule put the dormitory students in the position of having to lie and cheat just to be able to act like normal young adults. Many students ended up getting campus, not allowed to leave the campus a day, or were expelled because they broke the six-inch rule. Fornication was quite common among dormitory students. There was always a lot of gossip about who was doing what, when, and where. During the spring of my sophomore year, Many of us rented apartments in the Pontiac area. We were all planning to get married over the summer, and since apartments were hard to come by, we rented them as soon as we found them. The apartments turned to a big temptation for some couples. They began using the apartments as safe places for sexual activity. I could give you the names of several well-known preachers and their wives who lost their virginity at one of these apartments. Some of these preachers are now known to rail against sexual immorality. It seems they have forgotten about their own sexual immorality many years ago. Is it any wonder that many of us who are raised in this kind of sexually repressed environment require counseling, being told over and over that certain basic human needs and desires are sinful, leads to overwhelming guilt and despair? And remember, masturbation was also and is considered a sin by many of them in parentheses. This is one of the reasons why I think the IFB church movement and evangelicalism in general is psychologically harmful how about you? Did you spend your teenage years in IFB church? Did you attend IFB college? How do you deal with the no physical contact rule? Please share your thoughts in the comments. Uh, this is Bruce Gerencer, G-E-R-E-N-C-S-E-R dot -E -E net. Wow. As I like to say, that's just all a boatload of bullshit. Like, so... If you inform people that you are obsessed with their eroticism and that you are in leadership, actually domination over their humanized touching, you're going to get the exact opposite of what you keep saying you don't want. That is a high degree of hypocrisy. I'm just flat out saying it. Motherfuckers are fucked up. Um, all I can say is what I witnessed in this 
article. I I witnessed a lot of bigotry, a lot of deceit, a lot of deception, a lot of dishonesty, a lot of duplicity, a lot of fraud, a lot of insincerity, a lot of mockery, a lot of devil dealing, a lot of sanctimoniousness. A lot of sanctimony, a lot of lip service, a lot of pharisaicalness, a lot of pharisaism, a lot of phoniness, a lot of false profession, a lot of bad faith, a lot of irreverence, a lot of imposture, a lot of imposture, a lot of imposters. Um, I just saw a lot of falsities, too. That's what I witnessed. I saw um, I saw a lot of world domination attempts. I saw a lot of crying, a lot of spying. I saw a lot of lying. Okay, I really did. And I don't mind people having their own sexual boundaries. Even if that means they are on their wedding night, they'll have sex for the first time. I don't have people doing that. At the same time, the whole thing about doing the J. Edgar Hoover FBI recording type of eavesdropping, busybody, being nosy over students. It just amazes me. It really amazes me. What I'm also amazed by is the hatred of the flesh. The flesh is your friend and not your foe. If you help the old lady across the street, you blessed her flesh by using your flesh right to help her out. You also blessed her spirit by having the kind of spirit that she needed so she can be safe and you're safe too. So if you use the flesh correctly, where's the sin? The sin is non-existent. So, here's what I'll say. I agree with Bruce. I think that the IFB church movement and evangelicalism in general is psychologically harmful. I agree with Bruce on that. 
Um, sexual repression is unhealthy. Sexual suppression is unhealthy. Repressing full humanity is unhealthy. Repressing full inhumanity. Repressing and suppressing full humanity is unhealthy too. They're unhealthy. And the six inch rule can kiss my entire ass. Fuck the six inch rule. It doesn't mean shit to me. And as long as no one's being harmed and no one's rights are being violated, why try to have dictatorship over young adult and adolescent human personal living? That is senselessness to me. And you can be a normal hormone raging LGBTQI plus person. Um, even LGBTQI plus people like myself are also having the same desires as heterosexual. Pangenders like me have the same desires as cisgender people. Um, you have normal LGBTQI plus people, you have normal transgender people. You have normal heterosexuals and normal cisgenders, right? So everyone's normal in this regard. Um, how can you say you disapprove of homosexuality, but you have same sex um, affection behavior of the intimate and romantic happening. That's what I call people spewing falsehoods. Um, the no touch police, I want to tell them to piss off. I also want to tell them to fuck off. Masturbation is healthy. Same sex touching is healthy. Opposite sex touching is healthy. Um, That's all I'll just say that some people may be underemployed because they don't have enough work to keep them from being uh, of productivity. But they're focused on 
Who's reproducing? Who's not? That's what I call being being internally disturbed. Okay. What will the IFB church movement do about sexual abuse allegations? December 11, 2018, this is Bruce Gregson again. In the post that follows, I, del I deliberately paint with a broad brush. If what I write doesn't apply to your church or your pastor, then feel free to ignore my words. Be aware that I am no friend of the IFB church movement. I agree with him. I'm not a friend of the IFB church movement either. It'll be a good day when every IFB church in America is shuttered. I feel the same way. IFB beliefs and practices are psychologically harmful, and in some instances physically harmful. I agree with them on those things. There are better, kinder, gentler expressions of religious faith available for people who need it. I agree. I spent the last decade telling my own story and listening to the stories of others. So much pain, so much abuse, the only advice I can give is just run and be a capitalist. Exclamation point. I agree with him. The Independent Fundamentalist Baptist IFB Church Movement is a collection of thousands of churches who are independent denominationally, fundamentalist, evangelical in doctrine, and adhere to Baptist ecclesiology. Please see our evangelicals fundamentalists. Under this large tent are churches that voluntarily associate with one another, often gathering around a particular fundamentalist college. Bob Jones University, Pensacola Christian College, The Crown College, Midwestern Baptist College, Massillon Baptist College, Maranatha Baptist University, Hiles Anderson College, Baptist Bible College, and certain geographical locations. Please see Let's Go Camping, Understanding Independent Fundamentalist Baptist Camps. Virulently anti-denominational IFB churches slash pastors pride themselves being answerable only to God answerable to no one but God who never says a word to them. IFB churches are often controlled by authoritarian pastors who rule their churches with a rod of iron. Believing that they are divinely called to be pastors and commanded in scripture to rule over their churches, these so-called men of God far too often become a law unto themselves. Their churches become their possessions, their ministries given to them by God to lead, direct, and control. It is not uncommon, much like in the business world, for IFB pastors to be the CEOs of their churches for decades, and when they retire, to pass their kingdoms on to their sons. Their churches become the family business. Ask IFB congregants where they attend church, and they will often reply, not First Baptist Church, but Pastor Bro Johnny B. Austin's church. IFB churches are pastor-centric. Everything revolves around the pastor and his decrees. The church culture described above is a perfect medium for sexual abuse, sexual misconduct, and other predatory behavior. There's little to no accountability to anyone except God, and I can safely say that he hasn't been seen in IFB churches in a long, long time. On IFB pastors answerable to his church's membership, practically speaking, unless he steals money from the church, it's called fucking the deacon's wife in a study or some other egregious sin, he's pretty much safe from being fired. Over time, such men gain more and more power so much that it becomes almost impossible for congregants to get rid of them. 
I have seen church constitutions, often written by the pastors themselves, that require a 75% yes vote to remove a pastor. IFB church members are often taught to implicitly trust their pastors and to ignore any rumors they might hear about. See sexual abuse in Jack Hiles rule. If you didn't see it, I, it didn't happen. Rumors swirled around Jack and David Hiles for years yet because church members were taught indoctrinated in parentheses to quote unquote trust and ignore the high the Hiles is this escape being held accountable for that abhorrent criminal behavior. Yes, I said criminal. It is clear from the latest Fort Worth Star Telegram report on sexual abuse in IFB churches that David Hiles committed sexual crimes and his father covered, covered them up. This story has been repeated in numerous IFB churches over the years. Don't think for a moment that the latest report on sexual abuse is new. This kind of behavior has been going on ever since I was a teenager at Trinity Baptist Church in Midway, Ohio five decades ago. It was covered up back then and it's covered up today. Sexual assaults, rapes, predatory behavior, and adultery are covered up way too often in IFB churches. Protecting the good name of the church and the community becomes more important than rooting out predatory behavior. Far too often, victims are either not believed or are blamed for what happened to them. IFB pastors are known for their sermons about how women dress, how inappropriately dressed women are culpable for how poor, hapless, weak Baptist men respond to their carnal display of flesh. Women and teen girls are expected to be gatekeepers to dress and act in ways that keep churchmen and teen boys from having lustful thoughts about them. When Jack Schaap, the former pastor of First Baptist Church in Hammond, Indiana, and Jack Howe's son-in-law, was arrested for sexually assaulting a church teenager he was counseling, more than a few Schaap defenders blamed the girl for seducing him. She was called a slut, a whore, a Jezebel. Schaap was viewed as a tired, overworked man of God who was an easy mark. Never mind the fact that Shat was old enough to be the girl's father and that he threw letters, cards, and text messages to sexually manipulate this help-seeking, vulnerable, naive girl. His disgraceful fall into sin was all her fault, according to his defenders. The title of this post asks, what will the IFB church move do about sexual abuse allegations? The answer should be clear to all who are reading, nothing in capital letters. As long as IFB churches remain independent and accountable to no one but the silent God, sexual abuse will continue. As long as congregants are taught to revere, fear, and obey their pastors, it is unlikely that predatory IFB preachers will be in danger of exposure or criminal prosecution. As long as IFB preachers continue to promote warped views of human sexuality and sexual accountability, it is doubtful that predators and abusers will be held accountable for their crimes. And as long as churches value their own reputations more than the innocence of their children and the vulnerability of their women, pastors will continue their wicked ways. So, how do I feel about this article? Well, let me tell you. Everything I read this is I witness bad. I witness people being corrupt. I see people being destructive. I see them being hateful, being heinous, being hideous, being malevolent, being malicious, being nefarious, being spiritually ugly, being 
unpleasant, being vicious, being vile, being villainous, being wicked, being base, being foul, being low, being offensive, being poison, being reprobate, being wrong, being atrocious, being baneful, being beastly, being calamitous, being depraved, being disastrous, being obscene, being revolting, being repulsive, being repugnant, being spiteful, being loathsome, and being no good. There are a bunch of shit piles and shit bags in my opinion. There are also a bunch of piss piles and piss bags in my opinion too. There are pools of piss to me. You know, because how the fuck can you say you're about God but you're actually about Satan? God choose to be Satan's kids instead of being God's kids. I'm so glad that more and more people are being open about cult surviving and healing from cults and going back to them. Uh, here we go. Does the IFB church move to promote ritual child abuse? May love 2018. This is by Bruce Grinser. Independent. Fundamentalist Baptist IFB church movement is a collection of loosely affiliated independent churches. See, let's go camping, understanding independent fundamentalist Baptist camps. There are thousands of such churches in the United States and many foreign countries. What exactly is an IFB church, you ask? Well, IFB churches and pastors have very peripheral beliefs. Foundationally, IFB churches, colleges, evangelists, missionaries, and pastors believe I, I stands for independent. The local visible church is an independent body of believers who are not associated or affiliated with any denomination. The pastor answers only to God and to a lesser degree the church. The church answers to no one but God. Most IFB churches oppose any form of government involvement or, or intrusion into its affairs, though in recent years, thanks to their support of the culture war, some IFB preachers no longer believe in a strict separation of church and state. While some IFB churches have deacon boards or elders, almost all of them have a, have a congregational form of government. F stands for fundamentalist or fundamental. The independent church is fundamentalist in its doctrine and practice. IFB churches are social and theological fundamentalists. CR evangelicals fundamentalists. Fundamentalists adhere to an external code of social conduct, to an independent Baptist hate list in the official independent Baptist rulebook. Often this code of conduct is called church standards. The Bible, or should I say the pastor's interpretation of the Bible, is the rule by which church members are expected to live. IFB churches spend a significant amount of time preaching and teaching about how God and spokesmen, the pastor, expect people to live. IFB churches are also theological fundamentalists. They adhere to a certain specific theological standard, a standard by which all other Christians and denominations are judged. Every IFB pastor and church believes things such as the inspiration, infallibility, and inerrancy of the Bible, the sinfulness, depravity of man, the deity of Christ, the virgin birth of Christ, the, blo the blood atonement of Christ for man's sin, the resurrection of Christ from the dead, the second coming of Christ, separation from the world, salvation from sin is by and through Christ alone, 
personal responsibility to share the thoughts with sinners. Heaven and hell are literal places. Hierarchical authority, God, Jesus, church, pastor, husband, wife, autonomy, and independence of the local church. I'm sure other doctrines that could be added to this list, but the list above is a concise, concise statement of all in bold letters things an IFB church and pastor must believe to be considered an IFB church. B stands for Baptist. IFB church is a Baptist church adhering to the ecclesiology and theology mentioned above. Some IFB churches are landmark Baptists or Baptist writers. They believe the Baptist church is the true Christian church and all other churches are false churches. John the Baptist baptized Jesus, which made him a Baptist. The first church established by the Baptist apostles were Baptist churches. Churches like this go to great lengths to prove that Baptist lineage dates all the way back to John the Baptist. Jesus and the apostles see the trail of blood by G.M. Carroll. Other IFB churches and pastors believe that Baptist ecclesiology and theology are what the Bible clearly teaches. They grudgingly admit that other denominations might be Christian too, but they are quick to say, why be a part of a bastardized form of Christianity? What binds IFB churches together is their literalistic interpretation of the Protestant Bible, a book they believe is inspired, infallible, and inerrant. Thus, when it comes to training and raising children, IFB Christians look not to the world, but to the Bible. They're fond of saying, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it for me. IFB pastors have a commitment to literalism and inerrancy that forces them to defend anything and everything the Bible says. In their minds, the Bible is God speaking to man. While humans wrote the Bible, they did so under the direction and inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It was human hands that wrote the words, but it was God who determined what those words would be. Thus, whatever the Bible says about marriage, children, and discipline is really a direct order from God. There is one way and one way to raise and train children. That is God's way. Want to see what happens when people ignore God's instructions? Just look at the world. Look at how the unwashed, uncircumcised Philistines of the world raise their children. IFB preachers say, you want to keep your children on a straight and narrow? Want them to grow up fearing God and keeping his commandments? Practice and obey whatever the Bible says about training children. So when I ask the question, does the IFB church movement promote ritual child abuse? The short answer is yes. I agree with them. Their theological beliefs and interpretive practices demand parents ritually abuse their children. The Bible says, he that spares his rod, hateth his son, he that loveth him, chasteneth him, Bad times, B times, actually. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod, and shalt deliver his soul from hell. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 13 and 14. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 15. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yeah, he shall give delight unto thy soul. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 17. Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crime. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 18. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If he endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the fa- who the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all 
are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons? Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father's spirits and live? For they barely for a few days chasten us, chasten us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemed to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of, of righteousness unto them, which are exercised thereby, he shall go by the left. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither by weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as the father of the son in, which he, in whom he delighteth. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. A fool despises his father's instruction, but he that regardeth for proof is prudent. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 5. A whip for the horse, a bridle for the ass, and a rod for the fool's back. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 3. The blueness of a wound cleanses the way evil so do stripes the inward parts of the belly. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 30. If a man have a stubborn and rebellious son, which will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and that when they have chastened him, will not hearken unto them. Then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him, and bring him out unto the elders of his city, and unto the gate of his place. And they shall say unto the elders of the city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious, he will not obey our voice, he is a glutton and a drunkard. And all the men of the city shall stone him with stones that he died. So shalt thou put evil away from among you, and all Israel shall fear and fear. And Israel, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 18 to 21. Children, obey your parents and Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live along on the earth. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well pleasing unto the Lord. Colossians chapter 3, verse 20. It is clear from these verses and others that God commands parents to beat their children if they are rebellious or disobedient. To say otherwise is to disagree with God. And the IFB church movement, which is common, are expected to obey their parents at all times. Why? So they may live long on the earth and be well-pleasing unto the Lord. IFB parents genuinely love their children. This is why many parents either send their children to private Christian schools or homeschool them. They take their parental responsibility seriously. Not only do they want their children to be saved, they also want them to grow up in the nurture and, admi and admonition of the Lord, serving the Christian God all the days of their lives. IFB parents believe God made the following promise to them. Train up a child in the way he should go when he is older, he will not depart from it. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. The question then is what method should be used by parents to ensure that their children will be Christians all the days of their lives? The aforementioned Bible verses tell them all they need to know about how to reach this goal. This is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. That's bullshit, I'll say why. I'm being struck and not the one being the strucker. That's what we're here. So don't be dramatic. In fact, why not make life lessons fun to the kids to learn? You don't need to put your hands on them. You don't need to put. You don't need to use any item on them. I think parents believe that their children are born sinners, little hellions who are at a variance with God. 
According to the Bible, children by nature are rebellious. First Samuel chapter 15, verse 23 says, For rebellion is at for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. The goal then is to drive rebellion and stubbornness from the hearts of their children. God says that the way to do this is with the rod of correction. No timeouts, no ground, not grounded, not taking the toys away, not any of the other unbiblical disciplinary methods used by the world. God commands parents to beat their children with a rod. No, I won't use the word spank. When a parent picks up a dowel, rod, belt, toilet, fill tube, brush, paddle, switch, electric cord, or as the Grinser children finally remember John R. Rice's book, Home, Courtship, Marriage, and Children, a biblical manual of 22 chapters on the Christian home and hits his child with it, it's a beating, not a spanking. The goal of such physical violence is to drive rebellion and disobedience from the heart of the child. Many IFB parents begin beating their children while they're still infants. Psalm chapter 58 verse 3 says, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born speaking lies. Infants are at odds with God from birth. They are liars. Just because they cry doesn't mean they need tending to. If they are fed and dried, then their cries are viewed as the infant's way of demanding his or her own way. This kind of thinking carries right on through the teenage years. Children want their own way, and parents have a God-given duty to beat their children into submission, just as God does with rebellion Christian adults. The goal is to break the child's will. A willful child will not obey his parents or God, so it is crucial that parents thrash their children every time they rebel against the commands of God or disobey their parents. These practices are, without a doubt, child abuse, of course. IFB pastors don't see themselves as child abusers. How can it be abusive to follow the teachings of the Bible, they ask. Parent pastors are point not only to the Bible's justification for ritual child abuse, they, also point, they will also point to history, saying that back in the days when America was great parents, they also point to history, saying that back in the days when America was great, parents weren't, weren't afraid to beat their children. These preachers point to the decline of Western civilization, says that one of the reasons for the, de for the decline is the lack of rigorous thorough discipline of children. I'm almost 61 years old. I came of Asian IFB church. My parents thankfully did not beat me, but I knew countless children who are methodically beaten by their parents virtually every time they disobeyed their parents or failed to measure up to a certain standard. One dear friend of mine, a pastor's son, was mercilessly, was mercilessly whipped by his father because grades went up to expectations. I witnessed one of these beatings. My friend was in eighth grade at the time. It was violently brutal, yet the punisher believed he was doing what was best for his son. My friend's grades, by the way, never improved. I'm sure someone's going to ask if I beat my own children and if I considered this discipline to be child abuse. Yet, the violent, be the violent beatings my three oldest son received were in every way, without exception, ritual child abuse. I have apologized for numerous times for I disciplined them. They know, of course, that I did so because I thought that's what God and the Bible required of me. They also know that I beat them out of some warped sense of love. The goodness that my three younger children were spared the rod, I came to see when they were still young, that beating them regardless of the reason was child abuse. Unfortunately, I must bear the burden of my actions not only as a parent, but as a pastor. I taught countless church members that it was their solemn duty to use the rod of correction on the backsides of their rebellious children. All I could do at this point is honestly write about my past life, including how I richly abused my three older boys. Were you raised in an IFB family? How were you disciplined? What did your pastor and church teach about training children? Please share your thoughts in the comments section. Um, 
Wow, I'm just taking it back because um, I remember getting the belt beating and the hand spankings from the women who raped me. Committed sexual crimes against me. And these same women also put their hands on me. Violently. And all these things happen without the permission of my parents and my I am against corporal punishment, I'm against whoopings, I'm against spankings, I'm against beatings, I'm against hitting kids. I'm against poppings, I'm against backhandings, I'm against front handings. I think corporal punishment should be abolished everywhere. I agree that those IFB rituals are child abuse. I believe that the IFB church movement does promote ritual child abuse. In that article, I witnessed abominations, I witnessed barbarities, I witnessed brutality, I witnessed crimes, I witnessed enormities, I witnessed evils, I witnessed horrors. I witnessed infamy, I witnessed inhumanities, I witnessed iniquities, I witnessed monstrosities, I witnessed offenses, I witnessed outrages, I witnessed ruthlessness, I witnessed, I witnessed cruelness, I witnessed offensiveness, I witnessed atrocities, and I witnessed widely condemned actions. So I'll just pause right there and get to the next episode uh, tomorrow morning for sure. Thank you for listening to me right now.